everyone. This is Dr. Cheryl Selman, and welcome to The Love Code. Thank you for joining me for, for another inspirational conversation. If you are listening for the very first time, I want to first of all welcome you to this growing community of uh, wonderful listeners. This is a, um, a, a podcast that's really devoted, I like to say, to the spiritual journey we are all on. So it's an opportunity to listen to spiritual teachers, people who have profound spiritual awakenings, experiences. And why, why do we want to do that? Well, for me, the reason why I like to have these conversations is because it just keeps inspiring me to the unlimited self that I am. And to understand that we are all on a journey in this lifetime, and we're on a journey of self-discovery, we are on a journey of self-empowerment, we are on a journey of self-healing, and that is the opportunity that life gives us. And often it's a, you know, it's a challenge that, that, that awakens us to the greater purpose of why we are here and who we are. So it's always such a pleasure to have guests on this program share their journeys and to inspire me and I'm sure inspire everyone listening. And uh, today is no exception. So today we have, as my guest, Emily Pennington. We're exploring her journey about losing myself and finding my way. And um, just a little bit about Emily. Um, she is outside online park and travel columnist. She, uh, her work has appeared in the New York Times, The Guardian, Condé Nast, Traveler, Lonely Planet, Adventure Journal, REI, and Backpacker, to name a few. And um, she has embarked on a journey that led to writing um, a really inspiring book called Feral. And um, it's about her journey through the 60, uh, 63 national parks in the United States, which I would say is more a metaphor for her journey, but I'll let Emily talk about that. So it's my great pleasure to welcome Emily Pennington to the show today. So Emily, it's great having you. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's really wonderful to be talking with you today. Um, I, I want to share a little bit about uh, a, a blurb that I found from Goodreads about um, your book. So I just thought it's a, it's a great way to start our conversation. So here it goes. After a decade as an assistant to a high-powered L.A. Um, executive, Emily Pennington left behind her structured life and surrendered to the pull of the great outdoors. With a tight budget, meticulous routing, and a temperamental minivan she named Gizmo, Emily embarked on a year-long road trip to 62, up oh, 62 national parks, hell-bent on a single goal, getting through the adventure in one piece. And um, we'll talk about your adventures. I just want to move on to the, the next paragraph that says, what began as an intrepid obsession soon evolved into a life-changing experience, navigating the tangle of life's unexpected sucker punches, Carol invites readers along on Emily's grand, blissful, and sometimes perilous journey for solitude, resilience, self-reliance, and personal transformation run wild. It's a really great um, review of your book, Emily. <laughs> Do you agree? <laughs> yes. Yeah, what a wonderful summary of how much just 
totally wild, raw awakening and adventuring happened uh, in 2020 for me. So um, I always like to ask my guests when we begin these conversations is to share a little bit about themselves and what, you know, what, what precipitated in their lives that um, led them to uh, a journey of, um, I would say, a more spiritual journey of self-awareness, self-awakening. So, so, you know, can you share a little bit about your journey, Emily, that led you to the ultimate trip that has transformed your life and, and your career, actually? Yes. Um, so I actually grew up in suburban Texas, which surprises a lot of people. I did not grow up outdoorsy at all. And um, I think that there's something to be said about creative souls that grow up in stifling kind of small town environments because I think that from a young age it instills this uh, deep desire within you to to look outward and and explore all different avenues of life so that you can find your people and you can find these things that really light up your soul and um, better your life and, and, and hopefully help take you on a, on a spiritual awakening um, as you get older. And so I actually didn't come to the outdoors until, um, you know, other than little hikes here and there, I didn't do much outdoor stuff until I was dating someone in my late 20s who took me on my first backpacking trip. And there was something so magical about waking up before the sunrise, in the Sierra Nevada, which is this gorgeous mountain range in um, central and northern California, and seeing the alpenglow turn these huge mountains bright pink and orange and coral, um, I don't know, it was absolutely magical and transformative, and I think it was precisely the kind of magic that I was hoping existed in the ordinary world at all times. Um, and, and I don't know, I guess something about it was so soul-stirring that I decided to upend my entire life and start writing essays and pitching magazines and eventually quit my job as a Hollywood assistant to embark on this huge journey that turned into the book Feral. But was it but um was it because you felt the need to explore yourself or was it uh, you know the need to just have an adventure um i mean what was the initial impetus that made you make a major decision i mean that was a major decision right to um give up the 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 job you had to give up you know the life you had the l a experience and to venture off in a minivan to parts unknown. Yeah. Um, well, if I'm being totally honest, uh, I would say that the the same year that I was dating the guy that kind of introduced me to the national parks and backpacking and doing all these big adventurous outdoorsy things, um, I also had – Three friends die unexpectedly, um, and it totally rocked my world and my, I don't know, I guess personal experience with mortality. I, at, a, at an age that seemed younger than all of my friends, I suddenly felt like, oh, my gosh, if I don't do something big with my life or if I don't make every moment count, you know, it could be over tomorrow. And so once I got over the initial 
shock and the kind of grief and depression that that major life swings like that can can deal you. Um, I started thinking to myself that I wanted to give myself a really big life-changing project. And so I started saving all of my money. I moved out of my little bungalow. I moved in with two roommates that were friends. Um, I saved all my extra money. I bought a used minivan. Uh, this is a very, in, a, in some ways, it was a very calculated adventure. But um, once I hit the road in 2020, I never looked back. And I since I have not had a, a desk job since. Well, no matter how well calculated adventures may be, they never are well calculated <laughs> in the end. <laughs> that is true. Um, yeah, and a lot of a lot of things went wrong during Feral um, that that ultimately really ha- had me questioning my my sense of self, my sanity, my commitment to you know my yoga and meditation practice, and. Um, kind of threw me back into nature in a new way because I think I started I started out like a lot of young people do going really hard in the mountains and then by the end of it I learned that there is an easier softer way and that slowing down and enjoying the you know the sunset from a hammock or going on a flat easy hike to a viewpoint um, can be just as magical and impactful. Well, I'm sure there were so many lessons you learned on this journey because it, um, in a sense, it is a it is a, a metaphor, isn't it, for the the quest, the the spiritual, the spiritual journey of finding oneself. It's a it's a it, it's a it's a very um, physical <laughs> journey, but it's also a, a metaphor of that inner journey of your spiritual self that really went on as well so it so it appears to me yes absolutely i i feel like um you know in modern life we don't give ourselves these grand rites of passage the same way that maybe we used to and especially in my generation i think that you know we're having kids later or not at all we're maybe getting married a lot later um careers are no longer a th- like you know no longer a thing where maybe you stay at one company for 20 or 30 years and then collect your pension and so i think that maybe after college there aren't too many self-imposed rites of passage that are huge and scary and transformative in the way that this year was for me and so i think that it was almost like i threw myself head first into the deep water of my own hero's journey knowing that I loved exploring nature and I loved the national parks and I didn't know I didn't know how I would be at the end of such a long and big adventure but I knew that I would be forever changed and grateful for it. Well, it's very courageous to to do this because um you know, you kind of left the past behind, right? I mean, I don't know if your job would be waiting for you when you got back. You don't know anything, actually, when you embark on a journey. And, I mean, I like the fact that you called it a hero's journey or a heroine's journey because it is. You ventured into the unknown. And that's such a powerful metaphor, I believe, for, for all of us that are on a spiritual journey because you cannot find yourself staying safe and secure and in a routine, you really can't do that, you know. And uh, I've I, I've been um, 
listening to a lot of the teachings of Joe Dispenza. I really like Joe Dispenza. You probably know of Joe as well, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, the you know, the message he keeps saying, if you really want to uh, experience the full power of your unlimited self, you have to step into the unknown, whatever that may mean. I mean, not everyone has to do a year-long journey in a minivan, but you have to go and do something that's out of your normal routine because only by then do you create new, you know, neural connections, do you have new perceptions, do you discover more of the the potential that exists um, when we step into the unknown. It's a it's an it's a scary place, but it's also so exciting to step into the unknown and so liberating and I, I would say enlivening for people because they're just tapping into more of the potential that we have that has been unrecognized before. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I I also think that one thing that was really interesting, especially in 2020, is the time dilation that can happen when you're traveling, especially long term. Because I think that one one thing that a lot of people don't realize is how how often we are on a sort of autopilot when we're just in our normal town or doing our normal day-to-day life in our same apartment every day. Um, you know, and, and that's really good. It's very soothing for the brain, I think, in a lot of ways. But when you're thrown into a new environment, um, whether it be a new city or a new hiking trail or a new, I don't know, a new desert ecosystem or something altogether, um, your brain, whether consciously or subconsciously, is like constantly picking up all of these new little pieces of information. And I feel like that kind of stretches out time. I think it it, it it increases and enhances your memory of those experiences because they're novel. And I think that I think they also like help us feel and stay young longer. Um, I am in my mid thirties now and I, I feel like I have some of the most vivid memories of my entire life just from the last, you know, three or four years of being an outdoor journalist and, and writing this book and really living my life with more purpose and mindfulness than I might have when I was, you know, slaving away at a, at a desk job. Oh, absolutely. Did you, so did you do this journey when you were in your Saturn return about between 28 and 30? Is that when it happened or was it a little later than that? I did not, but, but it's funny that you mentioned that because I was in my Saturn return when I was dating the guy that introduced me to nature and lost, unfortunately lost my three friends and had this whole other life upheaval mm-hmm. that led to this one. Um, so 2016 and 2020 are like my two big years where I always joke that I feel like I aged five years in one year. Yeah. So, I mean, so yeah, major, major events that, that really alter the trajectory of your life at that point. Yes, definitely. Which is, which is what the Saturn return is. People who don't know about the Saturn return, it happens uh, every 28 years and it's the energy of the planet that returns to the place of which you were born. So it's like a rebirth time. And what I love about that time in a person's life, and it happens again at 56 or so, um, it's like you, um, you, you step into who you really are, not the conditioning of what you were made to be out of your family and, you know, the whole childhood, the, the culture. 
So it's a it's an opportunity for a major changes to happen. There are losses, there are gains, there's marriages, divorces. I mean, big changes happen around that period of time. Some of them are quite unsettling to the to the to the, our ego self. But it's uh it's it's really the what initiates the 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 true journey of who we are and our real direction and purpose in life. I, I can really relate to that as well. I just want to share with you, um, we talk about change and the power of change. Just a just real quick story. When I was um, uh, doing my personal growth courses, um, there was a course that I did, and there was, a, there was a guy, I remember him, he sat, she sat in the front row, and he, you know, he said, you know, he, he wasn't make, he didn't get it, he wasn't getting the changes, you know, and it turns out that, because I'm saying, make, you know, do things differently. Just do a little, one little, little, one little teeny thing different can, can change your life. And um, so I'm going on this race about it. And, you know, he's saying, no, nothing's changing. And um, he, he shared that he, somehow the conversation came up that he had the same breakfast every day of his life. The same breakfast, whatever that was, you know, his his oatmeal, and he had the same breakfast every. I said, well, why don't you just change what you have for breakfast? Why don't you just change one little thing? You know, and he was so adamant, no, I like my breakfast. I'm going to stay with my breakfast. And then and then the next day in the course, he came in, and he was, like, smiling and glowing, and, and his, whole, his whole temperament had changed. And what did he do? He changed his breakfast. He did one little change. He had eggs for breakfast instead of oatmeal, and something profound happened to that man because he was willing to make one thing different in his normal routine of life. So changes can be little, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm so curious now. What's your take on on why such a subtle shift can create such a profound impact in I don't know, I guess in like the future living of your life. Because we actually change our brain. So, I mean, it does, you know, you can make big changes or you can make little changes instead of going down, you know, turning right at the light, you go left and go a little bit longer down a, you know, a path or a road you don't normally go on. It's, it's novel. It's novel mm-hmm. and therefore the brain wires in a new way. When the brain wires in a new way, you have a new perception of life. When you have a new perception of life, you see possibilities you didn't see before. So it's like doors open. Yeah. Yourself. Absolutely. And and I guess also like the more you condition yourself to look for and experience some of these more novel day-to-day events, um, you're probably conditioning yourself to um, I don't know, open your mind and receive new pieces of information and even interact with the world in an entirely different way. Yeah, I, you know, absolutely. And it's so profound because um, if we are not willing to make some, you know, some risky choices, and I mean, I don't, I don't mean dangerous choices. I mean, like, go right instead of left, you know what I mean? Have eggs <laughs> instead of oatmeal, you know, venture out on a hike when you normally would sit in your house and watch television. Um, if if you are willing to do that, um, you are waking up because by by getting into routines, as much as they are perhaps, Pleasurable, certainly comfortable, but perhaps pleasurable for us. 
um, we, in a sense, fall asleep to life. We're, in a, we're, we're sleepwalking through life. Everything is routine. Nothing changes. We're comfortable. But it's, we lose the potential of I – mean, we are unlimited divine beings. Right? We are unlimited divine beings. That's a nice saying. How do we experience the true potential we all have if we just stay in a rut our whole life? Nothing changes. We don't know who we are. We don't know the possibilities. So, so that's why it's so important. And it could be a little thing or it could be a big thing like you did. So, so I'm curious, Emily, to know um, on your journey some of the revelations or some of the things that changed for you as a result of this courage, this, you know, heroine's journey into the unknown. Uh, and I love, by the way, I'm a traveler. I've, I've done a lot of interesting journeys, inward and outward, and it's always been a gift to myself to do that. And whatever fears I held, um, didn't didn't eventuate, and out of those journeys, I, um, I I I embrace more of myself. Yeah, absolutely. I think that even something as small as going on an hour long walk around your neighborhood when you would have otherwise, you know, stayed inside and watched reruns of something, is an absolutely a gift to yourself because um, they've done a lot of studies that bilateral movement, so anything where you're moving your arms and your legs like concurrently, is really impactful for reducing things like anxiety and depression um, because of the way that the brain is wired. Um, and I think that we, we live too sedentary a, a life right now. So um, I don't think that you necessarily have to go on a huge adventure where you're hiking in every national park like six days a week, um, like I did, to reap some of the same benefits. But that being said, um, some of the things that I learned were not immediately apparent after the huge journey that became feral, where I went to, um, where I went to 61 out of the current or out of the 62 national parks at the time. There are now 63. Uh, just to clear up the numbers from earlier, there are now 63, and I've been to all of them. But um, by the end of the year. I don't think this is too much of a uh, spoiler for my book, but um, by the end of the year, I, like a lot of people, was incredibly strung out with anxiety from the COVID stress of it all. Um, I stopped sleeping. Um, I was having, like, weird, like, heart palpitations. Um, I had lost my partner who I lived with. Um, he, or not, you know, not lost, but broken up with my partner who I lived with, who I hoped that I would marry. And it seemed in many ways like my life was absolutely falling apart and in free fall. Um, but I chose to stay committed to this huge, wild project that I had embarked on. And I'm really glad that I did because I think that there's something to be said for doing big, scary, courageous things, even when you're terrified or anxious or having trouble getting out of bed in the morning. I think that it teaches you a lot about um, the human capacity for resilience. And also um, I learned a, a lot about my, my deep wells of inner strength that I wouldn't have known had I pushed pause and finished the trip when I was feeling better. 
or when, you know, when circumstances were more convenient. Um, and since finishing that massive road trip journey, um, I did have to take a bit of a lull to really tune in and listen to my heart and figure out what what changes and shifts have actually occurred that were now introducing themselves in my life as I reintegrated back into the huge city of Los Angeles. And I've noticed that there's something pretty amazing about exhausting yourself so fully as a, as a type A overachiever that you have to learn to be patient and gentle with yourself. I think that it breeds a lot of compassion and patience with other people when you're moving through the world. And I think that I think that it also has shown me that the the path to spiritual transformation is not going to be a linear line. Um, you know, I, I thought that I was going to go on this perfectly arcing, you know, road trip <laughs> where I the, the you know the beginning was California and the middle was Alaska and then the end was Hawaii and I was going to have this beautiful tropical Hawaiian situation at the end. And um, some, you know, some of that happened, but I think what was most, uh, most memorable was just, just having gone through it and knowing that the, the, the journey happens, whether or not you're going up and down and sideways. Like I, in, in many ways, I was still kind of falling apart at the end of Hawaii. But the the nice thing about life's timeline is that it's not like a movie. It's not going to wrap up with a bow right when you think it's going to. And, um, yeah, I, I think that, that just having faith in that will give me a level of strength that I didn't have before next time my life deals me a huge upheaval. I can kind of trust the process, trust that. Um, trust that things are going to happen in their time, even if that timeline is not the nice, you know, three-act structure that I might have envisioned. <laughs> well, I would say then that was quite a profound awareness that you, <laughs> uh, that you received from that journey. That's, you know, one of the most important lessons we can learn in life. You know, things are going to happen. Life's going to happen. And um, how we access our inner resources, our uh, perceptions, our strengths, our trust, our faith will determine how we journey through those experiences that life is going to give us and, and come out of it a more, um, you know, more resourceful, more loving, more compassionate, wiser, you know, and all those qualities, right? Because that, what, what else is life for? Really, I mean, you know, I guess, I guess this journey has given you a chance. To, you know, being a Type A personality, where you, you know, worked, you probably worked long hours when you were in LA, right, doing your mm-hmm. personal job, and you know, you had a really structured life, and you were on the go, and suddenly you have no schedules. You're free falling in a sense on this journey, and you have to just take time to be with. Nothing doing right. <laughs> no schedule. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a it's it's a it, it takes a it's an adjustment, isn't it, to live in that moment, to live in the moment, really. 
Absolutely. And I, I think that it's so funny to watch what the mind does when you give it zero structure after having structure for over a decade. Um, because I think it's really evident, especially in the first half of the book, how much I was like holding to this like set, you know, five or six days a week, like I'm going to hike from, you know, like 9am to 3pm. And then I'm going to go here and watch the sunset. Because that's the best photography spot. And it was like, I had every day this like laundry list of things that I needed to get done rather than just being in nature. And then by the end of the trip, it's really profound because I was kind of so strung out from, from um, continuing this uh, unsustainable cycle of constant action that I, I needed to actually slow down and be more present and be in the moment and listen to what my body was telling me it was capable of on any given day, which, which does change. And, and I think that's why things like, like breath work and yoga and meditation can be so important because they really help us tune in and get that mind body connection that is critical to setting um, healthy like boundaries and parameters for how we want to live our lives. You know, that's, that I have to laugh. That's so profound, Emily, because um, you realize that the structure you create for yourself in this high-powered job and, you know, high-intensity job and life in L.A. was transferred <laughs> into the trip because it, it, was, it was within you. It was your programming that you set up and created in your life. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so you were on a tight schedule when you were <laughs> on your journey where you were freewheeling it, but you still operate with that tight schedule, right, of demands on yourself. And it's like unwinding a program, isn't it? Or dissolving a program um, that lets you shift a perception of what it takes to eventually shed all that programming and then return to just, you're not achieving, you're not goal-orientated, you're just open to receive the gift of the moment. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it's something that I still struggle with, like being back in Los Angeles, because I think that where we put ourselves, whether it be a friend group or a city or, a, I don't know, like a type of place that we live or our, 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 our office space. But I think that, you know, as social beings, we are incredibly permeable when it comes to the energy that's around us. And so I've found myself, um, you know, really kind of, turning my nose up at the toxic hustle culture of a place like Los Angeles since I've gotten back, even as I get kind of caught back up in it. Because, um, like, you just, you sense, you sense this need for more, more, more all the time. And so um, I think that it's, it's particularly hard to deprogram yourself from that kind of constant grabbing at, um, I don't know, like goal-oriented achievement and, and schedule scheduling. <laughs> Um, it, it's, it, it can be even harder to, to detach yourself from it when you're surrounded by it at all times, as most of us are. Yeah. Do you think you'll stay in L.A.? No, I'm actually in the middle of planning a move to Boulder to try out kind of a smaller town uh, closer to the mountains, but with a big city, with big city access to Denver in case I, I mm -hmm. need an airport. Well, uh, yeah, Boulder's a pretty amazing um, city. I guess you, it's a city now. Yeah, it, it, you know, a lot, a lot of um, spiritual, conscious 
things happening. And 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 that leads leads me to the next question I want to ask you. So you went from this, you know, city, intense city of LA, and then headed off into nature. So, so tell us about what your experience was as you went to these different beautiful national parks and, you know, truly getting into the wilds and into nature. How, what happened is you spent more time outdoors connecting to nature, to natural cycles than the nine to five or nine to nine, whatever your rhythm was in LA? It's a good question. I noticed that I was checking the weather app on my phone more than I ever had in my life, being someone who's lived in Los Angeles since I was 17, which sounds trite at first glance, but um, I think that the, the deeper meaning behind it is that I had to live with the seasons because I was living out of a minivan. And so even just simple things like adhering to what nature had in store for me and bending my schedule to nature's will um, had kind of a profound impact on me because nature was dictating when I needed to have a down day or um, when I needed to kind of hole up and do some work or watch a movie in my van because it was going to be raining for three straight days in Glacier National Park. Um, that was really that was really profound and eye-opening to me. I would also say that uh, on a related note, I felt closer to the experience of climate change than I ever have. Um, uh, of course, you know, being from California, we always have the huge headlines of wildfires and um, um, you know, various um, various uh, climate change related events like huge heat waves and, and things that, that come through every year. Um, but but actually being in the parks and spending an entire year dedicating myself to the natural natural spaces and public lands and throwing my body into these these places over and over again for a full year, um, it made it all the more immediate that we are not caring for Mother Earth um, as well as we should. Um, and I was, you know, depressed and holed up in the worst wildfire season in West Western United States history. Um, I don't know if you remember those crazy um, headlines with the San Francisco and Seattle having just bright orange skies from the smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I was I was caught up in that in the Pacific Northwest. I saw – um, massive glaciers calving off into the ocean in Alaska. I talked to bush pilots who have worked, you know, above the Arctic Circle for 20 or 30 years, telling me that glaciers have receded a dramatic amount just in the 20 years that they've been working there. And, um, you know, it's really, it, it was really eye-opening eye and dramatic and um, and intense in, in a way that I that I don't think I quite expected um, when you're up close and, and seeing it almost every day. Yeah, well, I'm sure, you know, you're much more in touch with the land, you know, with these cycles. I think the other thing that um, is so profound that I've been learning over the last, I don't know, five, six years, is the power of nature um, in terms of um, – uh, 
the more we connect with nature, the more we watch the sun rises, the more we touch the earth with our feet, bare feet, um, the more we are actually reconnecting uh, our our self, our physical, emotional, and spiritual self into um, a greater alignment with these powers. You know, the, 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 the energies, the frequencies, the electromagnetic frequencies are emitted uh, at sunrise, reestablish the circadian rhythms of every single organ of our body. And when you are indoors under artificial light, that actually is altered. So the more time we have in nature, the more we are reconnecting with um, the, these innate rhythms that are reconnecting us to um, not just the physical health, but I, I experience it as mental, emotional, and spiritual connections as well and balances. I don't, I don't know if you must have experienced that, Emily. I, I, I can't imagine you didn't. Get that I feel like you're, well. you're blowing my mind right now because I'm not sure if I ever put two and two together that um, it wasn't really until I returned to Los Angeles for a month to kind of move move out some of my stuff from my, my ex-boyfriend's house so that I could get an apartment and then nest a little bit before finishing in Hawaii. Um, but that was around the time that I stopped sleeping was when I was back in more artificial light with city noises and um, different stressors surrounding me at all times rather than in a slightly more natural, you know, maybe going to bed at 9 p.m., waking up at 5 or 6 a.m. Um, flow that did very much rely on the weather and the temperature and the sunrises and sunsets. Yeah, that's so interesting, right, that you observed that. And um, it's not until you get out in nature and and uh, reconnect, because we are nature, we are nature. That's just part of who we are is through those natural cycles that you um, see just what happens, the more peace we feel, the better sleep. And when you're in a city environment, the blue light and all the EMS, uh, people don't realize that their anxiety, their depression, their insomnia is related to these artificial environments that we are in 24-7. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that I found really uh, kind of amazing, and I, I notice this every time I go out into a national park or on a hike nowadays, but um, there's there's something really fascinating that happens when you get out in a in a more remote wilderness area. And that is the experience of silence that you can never recreate in a city. Um, even when you think it's quiet in your own home or apartment, you know, we have little fans and chargers and air purifiers, and we have things that are making, like, small amounts of white noise, like a refrigerator, 24-7. But when the, you know, like when the power goes out and, and you notice for a quick moment, like, how quiet it is all of a sudden, I think that experience is often what you're having at all times when you're going on a hike or going on a camping trip. Um, and I think that that's like a really beautiful way to kind of flush out that those like, you know, little like signals that your brain is constantly picking up on um, that I'm sure cause kind of background anxiety as we're going about our day. Yeah, you know, and it's not until you get out of that reality that you can really reflect to see how soul-destroying it is at times, right? I mean, if you can get out and 
enjoy nature and come back and somehow remediate some of these things. You, you can thrive in a city, um, but unless you do that, it, it, it's really a challenge, but you don't know that, right, until you leave that environment and see how different things are. Um, so I, I also wanted to, okay, so let's, so you've taken this journey, you've spent this year, you've had all these encounters. Um, can you share one of your adventures that um, had a profound impact on your, you know, this awareness, this growing awareness or this power that you had to create um, your reality, which is the power we're learning. We create out of intention. We can be guided and tap into a knowingness within us. Do, do you have a, an experience on your journeys that gave you that experience? Yeah. The first one that came to mind was actually kind of at the end of the book when I was in Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. And um, the main volcano there had just started erupting again, I think it was a week before I went on my trip, after not erupting for a few years. And that felt like such a powerful metaphor of what my mind and my life were going through because for anyone who's ever seen an active volcano or seen lava flows, even on video, you know, the stuff that that our earth is made out of, like the, the, the raw materials of the planet that's giving us life right now um, are noxious and deadly and you cannot touch them or that you will get injured. And they there was like something incredibly soothing to me about seeing how almost violent in a way it is that new earth gets formed because I felt like my mind and my personality and everything about who I was was also undergoing a violent shift um, that felt really radical and raw and kind of unchartered and off, off the map. And um, so, yeah, so I would just say that like feeling this sense of, parallel experience with my own, you know, just heart-wrenching transformational, transformational emotional experience, um, you know, feeling that parallel between that and how the earth itself regenerates um, was really profound and so timely um, and, and really helped, um, really helped me have faith that I was going to be okay. It just might take time to till the the new soil that my mind is creating. Well, that's a profound aha moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know. Um, so, so you, uh, you know, you saved up this money, you had all this money, you put it into this trip, you gave up your job. Did you have an assurance that you could get your job when you came back, or did you just cut all those ties? No, not at all. And I was writing a magazine column the whole time I was on the trip. Um, I was fortunate enough. I, I self-funded the trip. I was always going to take it no matter what. But I was lucky enough that one of my pitches landed at Outside Magazine. And so I was very publicly leaving my job, actually, in, in a way that would probably – not allow me to ever go back to any similar job because I think I had kind of blacklisted myself from the industry. <laughs> How dare you just take off like that, right? <laughs> <What's> <laughs> I know. <wrong with> you? <laughs> I know, you know exactly. You finally got this job in L.A., you know. But, but interesting, right? So you set an intention, you're willing to let it go, then another opportunity to generate 
some income showed up. And um, so you embarked into the unknown. It's such a metaphor, Emily. I love that metaphor. You just embarked on this journey. And here you are, okay, at the end of this journey, did you know you were going to write a book about this journey at the time? I did. Um, but what the book ended up being about was so different by the end of it, you know. Um, I I set a goal for myself to journal every day that I was on the park's journey. Um, so whether or not I had a migraine or only slept three hours or was scared, you know, because I heard coyotes right next to my van, um, I made sure that I journaled every single day, um, at the very least just to give myself the gift of having all of these memories of this experience. Um, but also I, I did know that I wanted to pitch it as a book. And I originally thought that the book was going to be about me setting off on this grand adventure, um, not prompted by sorrow or divorce, like a lot of books like Wild and Eat, Pray, Love that are that are very famous. Um, they're both kind of preempted by a divorce. Um, and in the middle of the book, my partner joins me for a few months on some of these amazing adventures. And I thought that it was going to be ultimately a kind of a travelogue that was about having it all and creating an unconventional life that is based in authenticity and, um, you know, careful listening to what your, what your soul desires. Um, but what it ultimately became about was losing everything and building yourself back up with nature as kind of the background and the teeth the backbone and the teacher for how you do that. Um, so uh, as I was saying earlier, at the end of Feral, there is a lot of raw kind of like primordial goo of rebirth happening um, that I think makes the book all the more impactful and real and um hopefully relatable for anyone who has had a similar transformational experience in which they thought they were absolutely losing their mind and their life was falling apart, but then they came out on the other end better and stronger and more compassionate for it. Yeah, that's beautiful because uh, obviously what emerged from your journey um, really became a metaphor for the spiritual the spiritual journey that you were on, the spiritual work and an inspiration for others. So, so here you are. So you're, you know, you finished the journey, you wrote this book. So your life has, I would imagine it's, you know, totally transformed as a result of this journey that you took. So can you share a little bit about that? Looking back, Emily, who you are now compared to who you were and how what you went through has taken you to a new place in your life that you didn't know was even going, you didn't even know it was possible, you know, it couldn't even be in your wildest imagination. Share a little bit about yeah. this transformation, where it leads to when you take that risk, I guess is what I'm really wanting you to yeah. share. When you take a risk against the unknown, for you, what came out the other end of that journey? Well, I think I can safely say that um, I will no longer allow other people to gatekeep my own creative experience. I, you know, I I write all the time now. Um, I'm really lucky enough to be able to call it my profession. And taking this huge leap into the unknown is 
pretty much the primary reason for that. I think I believed in myself and took a huge gamble and a huge risk um, to make myself an expert in something that I truly loved and that I thought was healing and could be impactful for other people as I shared my own experience in the wilderness. Um, and then also, I think a part of that is not living in as much of a scarcity mindset um, anymore. I think that when, I think in a lot of professions, but especially in in places like Hollywood, where you are told that you're expendable every single day, you know, from the moment you get out of college, um, I think that, that really takes a toll on how you approach your career and how how you take risks in your life and how you cling to a job that maybe you're not very excited about. Um, and I think that I think that you know trying to do it mindfully and wisely, like saving up some money first, having a bit of a nest egg, but then jumping out into the unknown, um, has really really taught me that that bravery will be rewarded because it is um, for most people it's you know it's impressive and it's a conversation starter and it is admirable and strange and unique and I think that that has for me at least, um, given me just amazing opportunity after amazing opportunity, whether that be, you know, traveling to Africa for work or getting to write gear reviews for one of my favorite magazines or, um, you know, getting to write and publish this book and have the experience of, you know, working on a multi-year project that that took a lot of heart and sweat. So, um yeah, I think that the, when you stop operating from a more of a scarcity mentality and start um, mindfully making decisions that are what your heart actually wants, it totally transforms your quality of life. Yeah, that's so beautiful and so inspirational because you went really from L.A. life, you know, personal assistant to executive and that whole crazy lifestyle. And really, you recreated yourself. Emily, you recreate, you know, you had the courage to step into the unknown. And again, it's such a, it's a powerful metaphor, right? It's a powerful metaphor. You had the courage to step into the unknown, you broke the, the ties of the past, didn't quite know where you were going to wind up, but you're something in you, you know, I'd like to say it's your soul, said, you know, Emily, you, you need to be on this journey of self-exploration because out of that, and out of that, um, you know, the, the dealing with all those feelings and all those uncertainties and all those fears and, you know, what they follow, they're within you. So you were going to encounter them wherever you went. You mm-hmm. moved beyond that. You found this strength. You found this power. I, you know, I, I just see the metaphor so profound. And out of that, Emily, you created a new self you, you love, you know, doing the work you're meant to do, using your skills, your talents, your passion, sharing it with others in the world, which you wouldn't have been able to do if you didn't jump into the unknown and risk. But it's not really a risk. It just appeared to be a risk. Yes, exactly. I think that so often, you know, when, we, when we're brought up in a society that tells us to follow a strict set of rules, I think that it can feel like a risk to take a leap and um, take a chance on yourself and do something radical that's kind of off the off the beaten path. But um, 
I think that it is in those more radical moments that we discover who we are and we learn we 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 learn what is possible and we glean the best, you know, most interesting, most unique stuff from the world and, and what what else is life other than a sounding board for for human experience? I, I think that that life is best lived when it's kind of like this like buffet of, of awesome, interesting things. And I think that if we can facilitate a mindset that keeps our brains curious and open and constantly trying new things, um, it'll help help cultivate some of those positive changes in life. Well, so many lessons. So if you were to um, share, you know, one thing to um, to my listeners, one inspirational comment, what would you want to tell them? I would say get comfortable being uncomfortable. Well, that's a lot of wisdom in there because out of that discomfort comes possibilities you couldn't even have imagined. You know, amazing things. So um, let me me just um, tell people, let's go back to your book. So so Emily's book is is called Feral, Losing Myself and Finding My Way in America's National Park. Um, Pick up a copy of that book. I guess it's everywhere. You're you're doing so well. It's it's become such a um, best-selling book, Emily. How awesome is that? Congratulations on that creation. And Thank the you. best place to find you, your website, I uh, believe, is brazenbackpacker.com. Is that, is that the best one? Yes. My website is brazenbackpacker.com. And if you want to see photos from all the fun adventures and the parks, it's um, Instagram at brazenbackpacker. That's fantastic. And before I let you go, what was your favorite national park? Oh gosh, I think it it might be a tie between Gates of the Arctic, which is way up in Alaska with no trails, and you have to take a little tiny plane to get there um, and visit the Brooks Range of mountains. But I also, for a road trip park, I really loved Capitol Reef in Utah because I feel like everyone wants to talk about Zion and Bryce Canyon, but Capitol Reef is like this hidden gem that is every bit as gorgeous, has all of the cool arches and sandstone cliffs, but it's not nearly as crowded. And I just, I don't know, I just found it fabulous. Oh, well, thank you for that, because we definitely had to talk about the national parks. But <laughs> I, I, I um, you know, I, I just want to wish you all the success on this journey, this book, this book journey you're on, and all that comes out of this amazing time in your life, but I just really want to thank you, Emily, for being so candid and open about the the deeper, more personal, transformational part of this journey, which to me is so inspirational, and I'm sure it's been inspirational for everyone listening, and, and hopefully inspire people to step out of their comfort zone, even if it's just turning left rather than turning right and going the longer way around or a walk around the block rather than sitting in front of the news. 
So, uh, so thank you so much, Emily, for all that you've shared, and um, just wishing you the the greatest success in in everything, your book, and all the all the adventures and ventures you are undertaking in your life right now. It's been an absolute delight having this conversation with you. Oh, I love talking with you. Thank you so much again for having me. And uh, to all my listeners, thank you for joining me for another wonderful conversation on The Love Code. Every week I'm here, um, you can um, get all the archives. I, I suggest going to podbean.com and do a search for Love Code. All of the other wonderful conversations I've had are available there. And uh, my, other, my other show, What Women Must Know, is also there with all the archives on podbean.com or you can always go and opt into my website, which is drcherylselman.com. So until next week, as I like to say, may your week be filled with love, peace, and harmony. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.